Hey y'all, thanks so much for tuning in to the second episode in my three-part series on how to build a business. I am your host, Krista Kologesic, and if you are just tuning in for the first time, I would actually highly recommend that you press pause and you go back one episode to actually listen to part one first. And I designed these episodes in a way that is intended to provide you with an actionable blueprint. And so last week, I talked all about this new business that I'm building and the very first steps to take when refining your business idea. So again, if you haven't already, go back, listen to that episode, and then tune in to part two. Alrighty? So today we are going to continue along our business journey, and I'm going to talk about number one, what do you do when you need money to start a business and you don't have that money? Okay? Number two, what keeps me up at night when it comes to starting a new business? And then number three, how do you set a mission, a vision, and values for your business? And why is this so, 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 so important and is something that should not be missed? All right, so I'm excited to jump into it. Uh, But first, I just wanna give you a little recap on the business that I am building, which is the Dietitian Success Center, or DSC for short, which is launching officially on April 8th of 2021. And so DSC came from a gap that I feel exists when it comes to building our expertise as dietitians. I remember when I was first working with clients and I would spend hours Googling things that I had never had exposed to reinventing the wheel by designing handouts and resources to provide my clients because I could not find anything that was ready to use and patient-friendly online. And at the time, I was feeling intense imposter syndrome because I was supposed to be the expert, but yet I was the one who was Googling things. Is that relatable? I feel like it might be because I've gotten a few comments from you all on Instagram, some DMs. Some of you have been sliding into my DM saying, yes, this is exactly how I feel. Why am I Googling things? This does not feel right. So anyways, but we have a wealth of information within our profession. Oh, and by the way, I just want to go back to saying that the fact that you're Googling things is totally fine. Okay, it's totally fine. It's totally fine and it's totally normal. And the fact of the matter is the nutrition field is so massive that it would be impossible for us to know about everything, right? Like it it would be absolutely impossible for us to know about everything. Having said that, what I'm saying is that there is a better way and there should be a better way because we have so much information within our profession. We should be coming together and leveraging that information and teaching one another. We shouldn't be spending hours upon end on Google trying to find things that are appropriate for a registered diet. Like it doesn't make any sense. So I wanted to create the space to be able to do that. Okay, so DSC is an online platform. Um, it's filled with online courses and it is a network as well that makes it easier for dietitians to be experts. And that's done through online courses. That's done through peer-to-peer support and networking. And that's done through ready-to-use client handouts and resources. And we do this all in an affordable way. 
with both monthly and yearly membership options that give you access to all the content and new content that is released monthly because we wanna make sure that this is accessible and affordable to everyone. So I wanna share with you some examples and some kind of sneak peeks that are going to be on the site when we go live on April 8th. So one example, which I actually shared on Instagram stories today, was, is a core, are two courses actually, no, three courses on how to work with IBS and the low FODMAP diet, including guides on how to manage diarrhea, how do we manage constipation. There's a fillable food, mood, and symptom diary for you to use with your clients. Plus, there's a full-on guide for how to actually implement the low FODMAP diet with your clients, including how to troubleshoot if you run into common issues. So it's magic. It is gold. I've been reviewing the content and I'm sitting there being like, should I be a GI dietitian? No, I shouldn't because I'm a business coach and I love working with my business coaching clients. But that's how awesome it is. It was getting me so fired up and so excited about like about working with this population group. Seriously. And I came out of it being like, wow, I feel like I actually know a thing or two about this topic, which made me feel really confident. And I don't even work in this area. So anyways, that's number one. Number two, courses on haze and using an intuitive eating approach with your clients, including some question prompts to help you navigate discussions related to disordered eating and weight, because we all know that especially with COVID-19, this is rampant, right? Like uh, our, our world is filled with just diet culture and weight stigma. And we know this, right? And so these are some tools that we need to have in our toolkit because we're experiencing it in everyday practice, whether we like it or not. And I think unfortunately COVID-19 has perpetuated this. Um, So anyways, that's that. Three courses on picky eating and how you, how to use the division of responsibility with clients plus handouts to support, um, how to navigate interactions with parents when they've been told by their pediatrician that their child needs to lose weight. How do you talk about that? How do you how do you how do you navigate that discussion in a way that is not harmful? Um, some motivational interviewing techniques. And then nutrition fads and trends like keto and intermittent fasting so that you know what to say the next time your Uncle Bob asks you whether he should go on keto at your family barbecue and you really want to snap back with some of the latest research, but instead you freeze up and you feel like a dummy. Yes, I've been there. I'm putting my hand up. I've been there. And I feel like you've probably been there too. And then lastly, baby led weaning and and so much more. So anyways, and regular content uh, released monthly, which is cool. Uh, Plus, we also have the business membership, which includes everything I've talked about already, plus separate online courses in a community for building and growing a dietitian business. It's going to be the most affordable option on the market for starting and growing a practice while still giving you all of the core information you need to know, in addition to monthly live trainings and Q&A sessions on things like, what forms and documents should I have in place when I start a private practice? 
How do I ensure that I'm doing everything right from a college perspective? What's with insurance? How do I price my service? How do I create an online course or an online product? What in the world is SEO and why do I need to know about it? And so, so much more. And those are all be being conducted by yours truly, me, who has worked with countless dietitians to start and grow their private practices and have taken with me a wealth of knowledge about what works and what doesn't work. So anyways, if you haven't already, make sure to sign up for our waitlist by visiting dietitiansuccesscenter.com or follow Dietitian Success Center on Instagram and click the link in the bio. And as a part of the waitlist, you're going to receive sneak peeks of the content and you're going to be tagged as a DSC founding member. Okay. Anyways, that was enough of that. So moving right along, like I mentioned today, I'm going to talk about one, what to do when you need money to start a business that you don't have. This is a tricky topic to talk about, right? Any money topic is hard to talk about. It's hard, but we got to do it. We got to normalize it. We got to do it. Number two, what keeps me up at night when it comes to starting a new business? Number three, how do you set a mission, vision, and values, and why is this so important? Okay, let's jump into it, starting with the first one. Okay, and that one's all about money. So I want to backtrack this a little bit. Uh, one of the incredible things about running an online business, so I'm talking online practice, I'm start, I'm talking selling digital products like an online course or an ebook that you've created, is that this startup capital that you need to actually get that business off the ground is very, very minimal. And by startup capital, I mean the money you need to spend in order to start running your business before you even have money coming through the door from clients or customers. So for example, let's take the example of starting a virtual private practice versus an in-person private practice running out of a physical location. So the reason why a virtual practice makes so much more sense financially is because so long as you have a laptop, you've got your insurance and you've paid for your website, plus you have an online EMR platform and your home internet, you are good to go. So you've invested maybe a couple hundred bucks, assuming you already have a laptop. And so the startup capital is ridiculously low compared to other businesses. And I just want to say here too, that you do need to spend some money in order to start a business. There's going to be very few examples, if any, that you don't need to spend any money in order to start your business. Like it's going to happen, but we want to make sure that our startup costs are as low as possible. So now let's think of a physical location. So in order to start this business, I need number one, I need an office space. So I'm paying rent. I may also need furniture if it's totally bare. I may need to buy a desktop computer. I may need to buy a phone. I may need to buy a printer if I'm using those things. You may not be because who the heck has a landline anymore and we don't really use printers that often either. But anyways, if you do, 
and I may also have to pay for utilities like the internet. Plus, you usually have to add on additional renter's insurance and additional coverage to protect you and your belongings. So all of a sudden, we've incurred some pretty significant startup costs before we've even started bringing money through the door. So now all of a sudden, if we bring in $1,000 in one month with the virtual practice, we've got around maybe $800 or even more left after we've covered our expenses that we can use to pay ourselves or we can invest back in the business so we can you know, pay for more ad, we can pay for ads if we want to, we can hire a virtual assistant, we can do lots of fun stuff with that money. Versus with the physical location, this may not even cover our monthly costs. So we may actually be operating at a loss for a little while. And operating at a loss, I just want to say, is not necessarily a bad thing at the beginning. In fact, a lot of businesses do that when they're far, first starting out. Most businesses, in fact, are not profitable for the first couple years. However, um, this is not necessarily the case and it doesn't have to be the case with online business. That's why online business is so profitable and so appealing for people. Um, and so I'm doing my MBA right now. And a lot of the company cases that we review are businesses that need hundreds of thousands of dollars or even millions of dollars in order to just simply open the doors. So Obviously, though, if we can start turning a profit from day one, why wouldn't we do that? And so that's the beauty in online business is that you can. Okay, so bringing it back to DSC and the reason why I needed money to start even though it's an online business. So obviously, in order to get this business up and running, I acknowledged that I needed dietitians who had expertise in the areas that I wanted to create a course for or courses for. So I needed to have the money available in order to pay them. And then on top of that, I wanted to have a wide range of courses already available when the business launches so that it's really appealing for my audience. So how do you, that, that, that brings up the question, right? How do you cover the costs of all of those content creators when you have no money coming in the business? So essentially, there's two options that you read about in business books when it comes to getting funding. So number one, getting capital. And so by capital, I mean money from friends and family, either as a loan or as an investment. And I'll talk about the difference between those two in a minute. Or number two, getting a loan from the bank. So the difference between a loan and an investment is that for a loan, you are expected to pay the money back. If you're taking a loan from the bank, you have to pay the loan back plus interest. And then for an investment, you are basically giving somebody a percent of ownership in your business in exchange for money. So you don't have to pay that money back, but in return, you no longer own 100% of your business. And an investment is a bigger risk for the investor because if the business doesn't succeed, they don't make any money and they don't get their initial investment back. So it's like when you watch Dragon's Den or Shark's Tank and the person who is pitching is asking for money in exchange for a percent of their business. The dragons or the sharks have to assess whether it's worth the risk for them to invest in the hopes that the business will pay off for them long term. 
But regardless, in either scenario, whether you are going for an investment or for a loan, you need to have a business plan. So a business plan is basically a blueprint for what you want to achieve and how you're going to get there, right? Nobody's going to give you money without a well thought out plan. Um, They want to know that their money is being used for something that has actually been considered, right? And you've actually taken the time to map out what your goals are, what the opportunity is, and so on and so forth. And so a business plan includes details on your target market, your pricing strategy, how you're going to market yourself, your sales strategies, and your financial projections. And obviously, a lot of this information will be based on your best guess at the time of creating the, your best educated guess, I should say, at the time of creating a business plan. But it gives you a really good starting point and it forces you to ask the question, is this actually going to be worth it for both me and the investor slash person who is giving you the loan? And banks want to see, has this person thought out this business idea well? Does it seem promising or is there a chance that we will have a really hard time getting our money back? And so that's how they make decisions on whether or not they're going to approve loans. So basically what I did is I created a business plan for my business And I decided to start by taking it to my parents to see if they would be willing to give me the startup capital as an investment. So I prepared a slide deck where I laid out all of the components I mentioned from the business plan and I came up with a rough estimate of the money I thought I would need in order to start and sustain the business for the first year. Um, And then I booked a meeting with them and I took them through the slide deck. My parents are both entrepreneurs and so I knew that it would be a good place to start because they do get it, right? They've built businesses before and so they know what it takes and they have a good sense of what has the potential to be successful. And so I knew that if I wasn't able to get funding from my parents, I would turn to the bank. So when I went into that meeting, I was initially asking for an investment. So would you be willing to give me a certain amount of money in exchange for, I chose 3% of my business. To be totally honest with you, I mean, like that whole world of figuring out what percent of your business is worth the investment is still very, I don't know, it's very foggy. I just landed on that number because it felt right for me. So anyways, all in all, My parents didn't actually want to take the financial risk of an investment in my business. (laughs) So although they did believe in me, they felt that it was just too much money to put up front and too big of a risk for them, which is fair. So instead, they countered with an offer for a loan. So meaning they would give me half of the money that I was asking for as a loan that I would have to pay back. And then we would wait on the other half to see if I ended up needing it, if I ran out of the first half of money and I needed to, um, I needed the second half. So at that point, I was really excited. But as you can imagine, it also suddenly, uh, you know, puts a lot of pressure, right? Uh, When you have a loan, you're accountable to paying that back. So suddenly it makes things feel very real. Uh, But ultimately, I am confident enough in the fact that this business I'm creating solves a very real need and the product I'm creating is high quality. And so I feel that at this point, this is a risk I'm willing to take. 
Um, okay, so now I want to move on to the second point that I want to chat about, which is what keeps me up at night when it comes to starting a new business. All right. So number one, which is probably the biggest one, what if it doesn't work? Um, so regardless of how seasoned you are as an entrepreneur, this will always be a question you have to ask yourself. You can never be 100% confident that something will work because it's all about having an amazing idea and how you execute it, right? Execution is 99% of that equation. And there are a million reasons why someone won't buy your product and service, but hopefully, with good marketing and sales strategies, our our goals are to counteract those objections, right? And so in the beginning, I struggled a lot with, um, with that. And I, I think that as I've been progressing, it's been feeling more comfortable. And especially as I've been starting to talk about it more and people are telling me that they're excited about it, it feels more reassuring, but it's absolutely still feeling like pretty scary. I'm not going to lie to you. It is. It's scary. You're putting yourself out there. You've invested money in this. You've put your so much time and so much energy into this thing. And at the end of the day, it's a risk, right? And and that's scary. It's really scary. Um, so anyways, I would say it doesn't keep me up as much as it, it doesn't keep me up at night as much as it did before. Um, but it's definitely still a very real thing for me. So in addition to that, in the beginning, I also struggled a lot with not being able to find the right content creators. And it's really hard, what I've learned, to get people involved in an idea that they can't actually see. So when I was asking people to create content for me, I had no website to show them. And then I also got some naysayers, honestly. So, you know, people who felt like this idea wasn't valuable or that we should leave it to universities to educate our RDs, which um, personally, I I don't believe in. I think that there's so many ways to learn aside from just traditional education. And I know this firsthand because I myself gained the majority of my knowledge about business from reading books and listening to podcasts. And so I know that there's other ways to learn and I'm a firm believer that in fact one of the best ways we learn is from our peers and from our, our, our from each other and so anyways that's that um so that was tough for sure that was very hard and there were many days where I was questioning whether this could actually work because I had a really hard time finding the right people Um, so, but I did end up leaning hard on my network and actually finding more friends and colleagues within the profession who are incredible and were willing to work with me on this. And I couldn't be happier with the results, honestly, um, as I've been going through the content that these amazing dietitians have created, I have been learning so much and, um, yeah, and it's been building my confidence even, which is kind of cool. Um, and I don't even work with clients. I work with dietitians, but I don't work with clients uh, on nutrition care. So anyways, uh, because all the courses provide you with knowledge on how to go through the nutrition care process from start to finish, 
Plus they provide you with case studies to help you with implementation. So um, I think that's really the reason why. It's because they're really practical, right? It's not just information. It's how do I apply this information back to my practice? Um, okay, so let's move on to the third piece, which is all about how do you set a vision, a mission, and values, and why is this so important? So this is an exercise that I often have my one-on-one coaching clients go through because it's a great exercise to connect back with your why and to start get you th- start getting you thinking about the long game when it comes to your business. And I just want to touch on this for a second. It's so important that we view our businesses from a long-term mindset because guess what? There is no such thing as an overnight success and instant results are rare and fleeting, okay? Trust me. We have to commit to showing up every day And doing those small actions that are going to get us exponential results in the long run. So having, that's why we want to have a vision and a mission. We want to answer that question, what am I reaching for and why is this even important to me? So we can actually think about the vision and the mission like an inverted pyramid. And so typically the vision is at the top of the pyramid. It's the widest spot. And it's meant to represent um, that this is the broadest interpretation of our business. So it tends to be pretty nonspecific, but it often points to the deeper, more meaningful impact that we're hoping to have on the world. So for me, my vision is to empower dietitians and create the largest dietitian community in the world. Now, this is pretty freaking big, but don't be afraid to set a vision that feels bigger than you. You don't have to know how you're going to get to that vision. All you have to do is set it. I have no idea how I'm going to become, how DSC is going to become the largest dietitian community in the world. I don't know. But I do know that if that is what is at the heart of my business, this is what I'm aiming for. So moving forward, by setting that moving forward, the actions that I take are going to be aligned with that mission and creating a larger audience. So I'm going to tell you an example of how I actually used this in practice. So when I was thinking about my pricing strategy, I had originally thought that I would only offer a yearly membership for DSC. That was my original idea and I was pretty darn sold on it. But then as I started to reflect on my mission, I realized that if I'm trying to create the largest community of dietitians, having a yearly plan doesn't necessarily make sense here. I wanna make sure that the platform is affordable and it's accessible for all dietitians so that we can actually create this massive audience. So hence why I decided to add the monthly membership option. So we have the mission, so now let's talk a bit about the vision. The vision is the next level of our inverted pyramid. It's where we get a bit more specific about what we do in our business and how we are going to accomplish our mission. 
So for DSC, the vision is around making it easier for dietitians to be experts through online learning and peer-to-peer support. So this gets more specific. Now I'm saying that I'm going to be achieving my vision of creating the largest community of dietitians and I'm going to empower them by providing high quality online learning and support from peers. All right, so we've gotten a bit more specific here and more actionable. So next we get into the values or sometimes referred to as core values. So the way I like to look at these are, what is your rule book? What are you going to stand for and not stand for when it comes to the work that you're doing? What are those parameters that you're using in order to make decisions? So this is really at the bottom of your pyramid. This is where we get really specific. So for DSC, the core values that I've developed include number one, leadership, which means doing things differently and having a firm belief that the evolution of dietetics is in our hands and it's up to us to create the future that we want and then being unafraid to lead and to pave the way. Number two is respect. This is a big one for me, having a zero tolerance policy for disrespect in the community um, and holding content creators and community members to a high standard and believing in paying all creators a fair and equitable wage. Um, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast, but Um, I am not in any way a fan of Facebook groups because I feel that they foster a pretty toxic environment. Um, That's just my personal experience and my personal opinion. Um, And I think that there's a lot of complaining, quite frankly. I think that there's a lot of complaining happening and and, um, complaining does nothing to move our profession forward. And so... Um, So this is a big one for me, having a zero tolerance policy for disrespect um, and having a zero tolerance policy for negativity, quite frankly. Um, I don't believe in that. I just, I don't. um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's helping us in any way. And so uh, I am committed to making sure that the community of DSC is uh, one that is positive, is one that is accepting, is one that is inclusive, is one that is um, action-oriented, and one that feels really safe, honestly, for people to be able to show up in. Um, so anyways, that also then leads me to inclusion and accessibility, which is the third core value, and really being a gathering space for all dietitians and dietetic students um, with the core belief that the future of dietetics lies in diversity of thought and experience and being committed to ensuring that we're amplifying voices from BIPOC, from persons with disabilities, and from the LGBTQ2S plus communities. And I'm going to talk a bit more about that in a minute. Uh, but then number four here is Transparency. So including you in the conversation about your membership fees Um, and more information is going to be available about this on the website because I don't want members feeling like their fees only go into my pocket because that's not the case. 
Um, so I personally use something called the profit first method for all of my businesses, which means that I allocate certain percentages of all of the money coming in to different categories of my business. So of course, part of it goes to paying me because I have to run this business. Um, but part of it, a large part of it, goes to creating more content to benefit you as the customer. Um, and of course, paying content creators fairly and equitably. Um, so to talk about these in a bit more detail, I thoroughly believe that it's not enough anymore for businesses to just say that they are good businesses. Um, social justice, respect, and transparency, transparency need to be molded quite frankly, into the DNA of the businesses that we're creating. So setting some strong core values of what you do and what you don't stand for is, I believe, the way that you can walk the walk without just saying that you are a socially conscious business. And I also want to take a minute here and acknowledge that I myself am coming to the table as a small business owner with an immense amount of privilege. I am a white, cis, able-bodied female, and I have seen, especially over the last year, the issues that exist within our profession when it comes to lack of diversity. Um, so with that, I am ensuring that our content creators come from diverse backgrounds so that the lenses through which our content is created are also diverse and we're including perspectives on cultural diets, um, how to acknowledge our biases and in different circumstances and how to incorporate social justice into our practices. So how does this all sound? I hope good. I hope that you've gotten a better sense from me over how I'm thinking through this idea um, and getting some tips for yourself as you're thinking about your own businesses, if that's the world that you're in. And so the take-home messages from this episode are really that we need to, number one, know the different sources of funding should you need it for your business venture. Um, the key steps to creating a business plan, what do you need there? Um, how to lean on your network when you need to and understand that there is incredible power in the relationships that you build. So continue to prioritize this. And if you haven't prioritized it, then make it a point to build those relationships. Um, and then ensuring that you have thought about your business mission, your vision and your core values and that they reflect um, you and what you want to be when it comes to a business owner and um, that you're walking the walk, walking the talk, walking the walk. I don't know. Whatever it is, you get my draft. Uh, so anyways, next episode, we are going to discuss one technology and platforms I am using to create this platform. And I know I had actually said that I was going to talk about that in this episode, but it ended up being a little bit longer than I anticipated. And I know that you all prefer shorter episodes. So I've decided to save it for next week. Um, so you can look forward to that if you were looking forward to that. Um, and then we're also going to talk about how do you create the right kind of community, whether that be your Instagram or you have a Facebook group or what have you. All right. So make sure if you haven't already, join the waitlist, dietitiansuccesscenter.com. Give us a follow on Instagram and let me know what you thought of this episode. I love more than 
Uh, I love nothing more than when you send me a DM saying that you listened and that whatever tip was helpful for you, um, it means so much to me and it helps me understand what what you get the most out of, right? And so I can do more of that. So anyways, please send me a DM. I always love to hear from you. Um, So that's all for now. So I will see you next Tuesday and have an awesome week.